It was a quiet Saturday morning. Zelensky! Give it a rest! It's Saturday! Professor Wayne Zelinsky was hard at work on his new invention. This thing works. It'll put us right up there with the invention of electricity. That didn't quite work. Did you get the machine to work? A few more bugs to get out. Then something quite unexpected happened. Where are the kids? I haven't seen them since I left this morning. It shrunk the kids. Nick, what happened? It works. Diane, I got something real important to tell you. Are you trying to tell me the machine works? Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great. It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids and the Thompson kids too. They're about this big. Threw them out with the trash. Ah! What? I'm I I, I I don't know how to talk about this, but like the past like we'll say three months mm-hmm. have been uh, challenging for my mental <gasps> health. Oh no. Um, and it's, you know, it's fine. I'm getting through it. Uh, Made worse like, by the Disney live action season. Uh, sure. The Disney live action season is making it slightly better. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> but only slightly. Uh, but it's been challenging. You know, I, I, I have my therapist who helps me. I have uh, medicine that helps me. And there's still a lot of challenges. And it's been a lot of stress. And it's, it's easy when you have kind of all these stressors piling up, I think, to feel like it's going to be that way sure. forever. Yeah. Um. And to be like, well, what is this? Is this what my life is now? Is it just one big stress tornado forever? And what? And it's not. Like, it's not. But it feels that way sometimes. But what what scares me is, like, my uh, daughter. What scares me is my daughter inheriting that from me. Right? Mm, Like, like, what what if she is. What if she has the same problems that I do like what if she has the same mental health issues because she's going to grow up in a world that is also stressful will probably be more stressful than the one I grew up in and um and I really worry about that like I want her to be able to handle things and react well to them and I'm scared sometimes that she's gonna she's gonna have the same flaws that I do but that's not as scary to me as accidentally shrinking her with shrink ray <laughs> that I've been I building. I fucking hate you. Dumbfounded, downtrodden, and dejected. Crest fallen, grief stricken, and exhausted. Trapped in my room while the house was burning to the motherfucking ground. I saw the sign, but it was misleading. I thought the love of the love was cheated. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Probably Should Have Known Better, the podcast celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is Tony Ginocchio, here, as always, with the best friend who believes in me no matter what, even if I quit my job and start inventing stuff in the <laughs> attic and then, like, take the stuff to, like, a logistics and shipping conference of some kind and try to present it and then get laughed out of the room and then almost murder my children. <laughs> It's Nadia Vasquez. Oh, pal, hello. I'm so excited. I, I'm glad that you're not going to eat me from a bowl of cereal. <laughs> we, so uh, so before we, uh, before the day, the mornings of the days that we record, folks, uh, I like to send Nadia a gif from the film uh, at, with just the caption, when it's recording day. And, uh, this one is interesting because, well, so first of all, our movie's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, which of the five Disney live action films we have watched this season, by far, best one so this far. This one 
rules. So good. Uh, just uh, letter grade, uh, just straight A, not even a question. Um, absolutely love it. We'll talk about why in a minute. Um, but I, so I sent Nadia a gif this morning of, uh, of, uh, uh, what's the, what's the dorky kid's name? Alex? Nick. Uh, Nick. Um, of Nick in the bowl of Cheerios yelling, dad, don't eat me. But I, I had another gif yesterday that I sent you because we had to reschedule recording. I had another gif yesterday that I sent you of the older sister, Amy, mm-hmm. uh, dancing because there's a sequence where she dances w- with the mop in the kitchen while she's mopping. And th- the thing is, and this is kind of gross, um, when you Google Honey, I Shrunk the Kids gif, <laughs> like Google is like, oh, did you mean Amy Zielinski dancing gif? I'm like, no, you fucking perv, no. Ooh. I don't like that. So welcome to this episode. Uh, We're so excited. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from 1989, directed by Joe Johnston, uh, starring a whole bunch of people that we don't care about and Rick Moranis. uh, Oh, King of my heart. The great Rick Moranis. Oh, Uh, I love him. I'm so excited for his comeback. Yeah, I mean, the Moranisance is coming. Uh, we're getting in on the ground floor. Um, I remember watching this movie a lot as a kid, Nadia. I had this one on VHS. I remember very specifically it had a Roger Rabbit short, I think, uh, before it on the VHS nice. that I also enjoyed. Um, and I I feel like this movie, uh, if you watch it as a kid, is legitimately, like, scary, like, perilous. Yeah. And if you watch it as an adult, it's all of the same things that are scary are instead laugh out loud funny. Yes. Uh, I actually never watched this as a kid. Really? Was it? Yeah. This wasn't your first time seeing it, was it? It was maybe my second time seeing it. I used to watch Honey, I Blew Up the Kid mm-hmm. more because it was on Disney Channel a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I didn't watch it, I think, until I was 13 or 14. Wow. And I, w- I remember being like, this is stupid. But as an adult... Holy shit, this movie rules. It's really it's really quite excellent. It's really really good. <laughs> and Honey I blew up the kid. I remember being scared because I have an I personally have an irrational fear of Chucky. This time of mm-hmm. year is really hard for me. <clears throat> Give it, me. Given Chucky's track record, actually quite a rational fear, I would say. Very reasonable to be afraid Thank of Chucky. You. Thank you. He I, I I saw, I went to the video rental store in the early 90s with my dad to get uh, The Little Mermaid on VHS to rent. Mm-hmm. And I saw a, a, a picture of Chucky. It was like the whole, you know, the new arrivals wall at like a blockbuster? I think it was yeah. a Hollywood video. And the whole wall was Chucky's face. And I got so scared that I hid under my dad's shirt until we left because I was really scared. And, like, ever since then, every time I see him, even now as an adult, like, my heart starts to race. So when I would watch Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, the little kid has, like, overalls on. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. humongous. And so I, I would get really freaked out. And I think I could only watch half of the movie. So I was a little nervous going into Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because I forgot if it was the Chucky Child vibe. No, completely different kid. Completely. Th- that kid didn't even exist yet. Yeah. But there was a scary scorpion. There is a scorpion. Uh, and then there, there's actually a third film in the in the trilogy, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, um, oh. which I remember in which a key plot point is the son, uh, diff- different kid, but the kid has a potassium deficiency and he forgets to take his medicine and he passes <laughs> out. And the daughter 
like pieces together how to save him by basically force feeding him a banana and <laughs> i think i remember it, this it's because rick moranis is such a dork that he like he's like you know bananas are a great source of potassium and she remembered that oh you know what i too would remember anything rick moranis says <laughs> He's the uh, king to my heart. I really love him so much. It, it, you know, for someone who, in I think 100% of his roles, plays basically like just a hopeless nerd, um, <laughs> invests it with so much sincerity Ugh. and and yes. legitimate pathos. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, like, you really feel for the guy. He does this in every role. This is, a, you know, an iconic role for him, but, like, Little Shop of Horrors is, you know, oh. one of my favorite movies growing up. And so he's funny. Brilliant in that. Um, my Blue Heaven, uh, which has uh, significant uh, problems because Steve Martin plays an Italian mobster, but hey. uh, he's, <laughs> he's great in that. Um, and he just, you know, he turns in the fucking performance of a lifetime here. Do you want to know what it is about him? I, I couldn't quite figure it out because he does have a certain level of charisma that you have to have to carry a movie but i think it's just all in his face he's so relaxed mm -hmm. and his eyes are just so big and full of emotion yes. i i will i will believe anything he tells me if he tells me <laughs> to buy something i'll buy it i where is he where has he been well he he retired um he semi-retired from acting it's actually kind of a sad story because what happened is his uh his wife passed away uh <gasps> unexpectedly and oh, no. uh and what and and uh what happened was he basically was like well you know what i got enough money i don't need to work again uh so i'm just gonna be a full-time dad like so he just uh stepped away oh, from acting God. to raise his family uh, oh my god he is yeah. the best yeah he really is oh he, really he is. is oh my uh, god okay we need to have him on the podcast somehow yeah sure <laughs> rick we know you haven't done any films in a while but would you consider uh our podcast where we say come a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh bonus points if you can also get joyce summers uh who is also in this movie <laughs> yes uh, oh my come. god buffy's mom buffy's mom uh pre uh pre season five the body um <laughs> to show, i didn't want to say what happens in that episode because you know i didn't want to spoil buffy for those of you that haven't watched that series that ended in 2003 but uh <laughs> but yeah she's in this too um so it's a great movie we'll get into it in a moment um it inspired not only one but two attractions at disney parks Yes. Um, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like, playground type thing where you basically would, would just run around in giant blades of grass and crawl on a big ant and stuff God, like that. God, that's so cool. What a cool Great movie. concept. Great concept. The entire movie is a brilliant concept. I mean, it's like if you made a movie about lying on the floor and looking at the ceiling and pretending you were walking upside down on the ceiling. Yes. But it, but it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and you had a lot of money to do it. Yes, um, by 1989 standards. And right. uh, and then the, the second uh, attraction at Disney Parks, I think, was at Epcot um, in uh, Walt Disney World, but it was uh, Honey, We Shrunk the Audience, uh, which oh. also starred Rick Moranis, uh, and uh, in which uh, it was like, uh, you know, it was like a 3D um, movie. It was a show, uh, and uh, you'd go wow. in and you'd look at the screen and then uh, and then all of a sudden Rick Moranis would accidentally shrink you and everything would be huge 
you know, and 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 stuff so, like that. So it's basically just my life. <laughs> it's funny because I was watching this movie and I was like, this is just what it's like to be five foot. <laughs> it is. It is funny to imagine you watching this movie and then turning off the movie and then being like, I'm. Just, I, I know this isn't what happens in your life but it's what i'm imagining and then being like well time to go eat a cookie now for dessert and you just go and the cookies are way up high on a shelf you're like oh no yeah that's actually what it's really like and i i can never touch the floor with my feet i always have to like have a little prop because i can't reach the ground i have to hop off of things yeah this is it was it was a little uh close to home yeah. So the plot of the movie, in case the title didn't clue you in enough, <laughs> is Rick Moranis plays Wayne Zielinski, a former corporate engineer who has since uh, become a freelance inventor. Uh, his big invention is a uh, shrink ray, which he's been working on in the attic, which he hopes to use to shrink packages for easier shipping mm-hmm. and logistics uh which later he explains the science behind how it works and it doesn't it does not make any sense but um what ends up happening is the neighbor's kid hits a baseball through the attic window it turns on the shrink ray it shrinks uh rick moranis's daughter amy Zelinsky and his uh and his son uh nick Zelinsky. And then also the two neighbor kids who I wrote down in my notes are named Russell and Baseball. And then, <laughs> His name is Ron, like Harry Ron, Potter. Ron, that's right. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Rick Moranis uh, trashes the machine, sweeps up the trash, <laughs> and inadvertently, uh, inadvertently uh, dumps his kids out in the trash. So the kids have to cross the backyard to get back to the home. It's such a simple concept where it's like brilliant in its simplicity it's so simple i accident honey i swept up the kids honey i threw out the kids and then they have to find them it's like it's so simple so perfect and so much adventure in between and And it's only like i don't know 20 feet yeah and get and guess what yeah the backyard's the fucking amazon rainforest with monsters in it when you're you know less than an inch tall yeah um and let me tell you something, they make you wait a full hour before Rick Moranis says, honey, I shrunk the kids. But when it hits, oh <laughs> it my hits. God, it it's really like, hits. it's like you've been edging for days. And just... <laughs> Are you, is that allowed? Is that allowed? <laughs> um, uh, if there, by the way, if there are any new uh, listeners that came in because you read something I wrote about the Catholic Church or something, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am amazed at how simple the concept is. Like, Marvel could never. No, Marvel Marvel could never. Just a simple, like, we got to get from point A to point B. The problem is we're super tiny. <laughs> um, and uh, so I would good. say all of, all of the other plots are kind of secondary to that. Like, Russell and Amy fall in love, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's whatever. Um, the dads, the dad, uh, the dads Russell. hate each other and they become friends. That's nice. Um, yeah, there's a fishing trip that they're supposed to be going on <laughs> that goes obviously goes awry because they think that the children are missing. That is a little dark. Very dark that they think their children have been like kidnapped or something, or they run away and then the yeah. police won't believe them. Like that's right. a little dark. But overall, I, I appreciate I appreciate that the neighbor dad like comes around fully to defunding the police by the end oh, of the film. Yeah, he's like, "Do your job." It's like, "What do I pay you for?" 
<laughs> I loved it. He was my least favorite performance in the whole movie, I have to say. It was like a, it was a little unearned. But it's fine cuz he comes it's around fine. and they're they end Everything- up becoming friends. Everything else in the movie is so good, it can honestly paper over that. So Oh, totally, totally, totally. Oh, it's with, so great. I, I can't, I don't think we should continue on with the rest of the season that's topped it. No, it, it's going to be, I, you know, I've watched the next couple weeks, and we have a couple good ones coming up. We also have some insanely bad ones coming up. But, <laughs> Shit. But all of that said, uh, uh, any, any, any history we should know going into this, Nadia? I mean, yes! 1989, I think we've done before once or twice. Yes, we did it once in our come episode. I mean, our, uh, look who's talking episode. Uh, the come episode. Yeah. Yes. So we, d- I did the former current events of pop culture in that episode, but I'm going to do the former current events in science as a okay. tribute to Rick Moranis' like character. So in 1989, we were one. Tony was possibly two. Uh, But the hepatitis C virus was first identified by Michael Houghton and his team. And the hepatitis C virus is obviously the cause of hepatitis C. And some cancers that uh, are in, like, the liver and other things, lymphomas, etc. That was discovered, and they were able to do more research on that. So isn't that great? And in March of 1989... Tim Berners-Lee submit a, submitted a memorandum titled Information Management, colon, a proposal to uh, CERN, or the European Organization for mm. Nuclear Research, and it was actually the very first system that would eventually become the World Wide Web. Oh, okay. So Al Gore is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to, yeah. So in March of that year, Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischmann announced that they discovered cold fusion at the University of Utah. But that is not true. because I, I was about to say, I feel like we don't have that yet. <laughs> no, because scientists tried to replicate the experiment. So, Because obviously, I mean, cold fusion, it would be a cheaper, more abundant source of mm-hmm. energy. But there were anomalies in the initial experiment that pointed to the fact that they hadn't discovered cold fusion. And I think there's a little bit of a conspiracy there. There could be. Where maybe they did and, you know, fossil fuels are more, um, how shall I say, money specific. Uh, (laughs) But uh, scientists are still trying to figure that out. And Google even funded an experiment and the results came out in a 2019 Nature magazine uh, Mm. article that you can read. It is very dense. I gave up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was like, this is cool. In July of 1989... The stealth bomber aircraft was developed for the United States Air Force. It is called the B-2 Spirit, and it flew for the first time. And the total program to have it developed, engineered, and tested averaged $2.13 billion per aircraft in 1997 when it was finally completed. Uh, Obviously, this... um, (laughs) I shouldn't say obviously. Initially... It started during the Carter administration and continued on in the Reagan administration because they wanted to use it as a nuclear bomber, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't. And But they did use it in combat, starting with uh, the Kosovo War in 99 and later in Iraq, Afghanistan, it's, and Libya. What was So that's a lot of wars, golly. Um, yeah. What, what was it, it, it? Was it a B what? It's called the Northrop Grumman B-2 Spirit Stealth Bomber. 
Okay, okay. I thought you'd said B-52. I was going to make a Love Shack joke, but uh, I can't. Um, you can't. Isn't that sad? Not... Like, that's that is so ex- sad. It's so expensive, and it's been a problem since we way before our time that yeah. money is being spent in the wrong place. But Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's not good, Nadia. It's not really... It doesn't make me feel great about the world. It doesn't. And unfortunately, it's a former current event that's still relevant. Um, yeah. Okay, so July of 1989, the federal grand jury indicts Cornell University student Robert Tappan Morris Jr. for releasing a computer virus, making him the first person to be prosecuted under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act of the United States. He uh, released this virus called the Morris Worm. I love anything called a worm and was considered the first computer worm on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And he was he was only sentenced to three years of probation for four hundred hours of community service and a fine of ten thousand dollars plus the cost of his supervision. Uh, He basically was like, there's a lot of security measures going on right now that aren't working and I want to prove it. And he did. But mm-hmm. they punished him for it. So, but, but but with crime, yeah. <clears throat> but with crime. But in the end, he's like huge. He does all kinds of really cool things for the world. So good for him. Uh, good lastly, for him. good for him. Lastly, in August of 1989, the Voyager 2 spacecraft made its closest approach to the planet Neptune, providing definitive proof that Neptune has rings. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. So one fun fact. One fun, there was a lot of, you know, it's the 80s. It's like, hey, welcome. Uh, We got Hep C, uh, (laughs) bombers, and uh, the internet, which uh, is the worst thing in the world now. Yeah, it's crazy, though, because uh, we think that we've gotten really far, and in a sense, we really have, but we really haven't, and we can look at movies in the same way. Like, movies are (laughs) worse now, I think. They are worse uh in many ways well you know what I, I, i'm i would hesitate to say they're worse because there are still good movies out there somewhere yes. i assume <laughs> but, i don't know did you watch dune yet i watched dune i liked dune but i okay. also liked the book okay um okay yeah, and also i'm a dork yeah exactly yeah. so um all of that i still think timothy chalamet's in too many movies but i think so too i don't want to watch his willy wonka oh god story. Jesus fucking Christ. No, absolutely not. Anyways, uh, that said, you know, the, the issue is now that, you know, studios are so consolidated um, yes. that uh, basically you have, like, three big players making things. And right. uh, most of them are just mining existing IP. And Dune, while I think it was well done, is still mining existing IP. It's a book that's been around for decades, and it's been made into a movie, like, four times already. Yeah, isn't but... Kyle MacLachlan in one of them? Yeah, David Lynch made it once. Although David, yeah. David Lynch was uh, famously very unhappy with how the movie turned out. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, in any event. Uh, the point is, they don't make them like this anymore. No, they uh, really don't. And I, I was really excited with how stoked I got about science from this movie. Because, you know, as a kid, you get really encouraged by things. And I think if I had watched this as a child, I would have been, like, really into science. I think it's also powerful that science almost causes a divorce in this movie, but then <laughs> saves a family from divorce. I love that they don't give us any details about what the fight was about. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, what happened? I was nosy yeah. as hell. I was like, tell me what, girl, so you got to go into before, it, but she didn't. 
Before the film starts, there is an unspecified uh, marital dispute. <laughs> and the mom left. She went to go stay with grandma. What happened? Between, yeah, Rick Moranis' character, Wayne, and his wife, Diane, who's played by Marcia Strassman. And, uh, and yeah, and she's sleeping somewhere else for the night. Which, what like, he do? Like, what? <laughs> and, like, I guess you're supposed to, and we're just talking about the beginning of the film now, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. like, I guess you're supposed to infer that, like, you know, he doesn't have a job, right? He's yes. trying to make it on his own, and uh, he can't with the uh, shitty household inventions that he's made. And everything in the Zelinsky's house is a weird like rube goldberg machine invention very cute there's like a a a phone with like a finger on it i don't know what i don't know what that does the cat clock talks it's so cute i love it so they live in a fun house right and he's clearly not bringing in any money um he's upset with it too right but like apparently it's enough for her to be like i need to sleep somewhere else tonight i cannot believe they did that They went into no detail, but no the, detail. Stakes, the stakes you, immediately are so high. You hear the son say, or you hear Amy, the daughter, say, Mom and Dad had an argument last night, and that's it. Oh, uh, my God. And, and, like, and then you get the sense of, like, Amy knows what it's about, but she's not telling Nick because she's trying to shield him from it. Yeah, well, that just... was my question. Do you think that this movie is in the point of view of the youngest son? I think that's probably the closest we have to a point of view character. Yeah. Um, Because I don't think we know everything Amy knows in the movie. No, no. And also Amy is horny, like, which is fine, which is allowed. uh, But um, (laughs) she, like, has a, she wants to go to the mall and cruise for guys. Uh, There's one specific guy that she really likes who possibly likes her back and he might ask her to the dance, but she has to get to the mall. She has to get to the mall for that to happen. Let me tell you, I don't know about (laughs) kids today and where they hang out, maybe TikTok, but like when you got invited to go to the mall with the boy you liked, oh, what? There's the potential of holding hands and sharing fries at McDonald's. Like... The the hormone so, level is so high. So yes, I I yes I agree. When I was in high school, absolutely, I get what you're saying. Uh, the first like one one summer when I was home from college, I was like working. I was working at a pot belly sandwich works like over the summer. Oh, so I was hell yeah, just making pot sandwiches. Belly. Shout out to that delicious jar of chili pepper things. Uh, jardinier, yeah, jardinier peppers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so I was working there and like, you know, I was just there for the summer or whatever. And was in like fucking displays. Like I'm not like, I, we're not in the big city or nothing. We're just making sandwiches for the, the suburbanites on their lunch, you know? And these are people that I just work with and make sandwiches with. I'm not friends with any of them. And then I like get a call at my house one night that's like, Hey, yeah, it's Steve from Pop Belly. We're all going to hang out at the mall if you want to come. I'm like, I'm not hanging out with the sandwich people. Tony, you should have gone. <laughs> It's so fun to just walk around and like go to like a hot topic and be scared. I guess it, when it used to be scary. Come on. Um, Did you so, ever go? Uh, no. So that's. Oh, boo hiss. 
So that's Amy. And look, I didn't consider myself above the sandwich people. Like, the sandwich it people were kind of sounds actually, like you did, dude. I, I shouldn't call them that. I'll agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> you were, were part of the working class also. The pe- Yeah, the people who I worked with were actually generally very nice people. Um, my bosses were assholes, but what else is new? I mean, like, because yeah, of that saying. Yeah, so uh, generally very nice people. Um, uh, I don't remember any of their names. So that's Amy's, uh, I want, right? She yes. wants to get asked by this boy. Yeah, she wants to be horny with the one boy who's right. horny for her back. Right. Then Russell, the oldest son of the neighbor, has an I want. He's horny for Amy. Oh, he in, is! In some very not okay ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's, okay, so, again, no details, but by inference, we have Amy is very popular she gets asked out by people etc 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 russell on the other hand he got potentially cut from a sports team or quit we don't really know the truth don't know yet they'll explain it but we don't know yet but he but he's like a quiet kid he's not really sure what he's into he does like to listen to music and he does like to leer at amy through the window likes to kind of watch her through the window uh, with his hands in his pockets and just be like, oh, cool, she's dancing now. Yeah, not great. Uh, not, I'm not totally on his side yet. So there's a so there's a scene early in the film where Amy is mopping and there's some sort of 1989 bop playing in the background and she's yes. dancing around with the mop and Russell's like watching. He's like, good, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> the other uh, thing about the, the family dynamics is that... Um, Amy suffers from eldest daughter disease. Yes. And she has to basically take care of the entire household because mom is gone. We don't know She's why. Like, oh, why are you so weird? And like that sort of thing. yeah, yeah. And and her dad, like irresponsible, but responsible at the same time. But, you know, like the house is a mess. Somebody's got to clean it up. And unfortunately, it lands on her. Yeah. So she tries to make it fun by dancing around with the mop. And then the boy next door is literally watching her through the window. Yeah, uh, like from behind a bush. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rick and and Rick Moranis is dad. To be clear, is like clearly a very loving father, yes, yes. but but just uh, extremely absent-minded and does not have his shit together at all. Right. <laughs> um, and then there's baseball. Baseball is Russell's <laughs> younger brother, and he wants to play baseball. It's the kid from Big. <laughs> yes, it is the kid from Big. Uh, Jared rushed in. Uh, is the actor the the best friend from Big? You yes, mean. right. Yeah, not the uh, not Joshua Baskin. Right. Yeah. So uh, Jared Rustin is the actor, and so it's the neighbors are interesting because like the dad wants to take his sons fishing. He's like, we're men, we're gonna be really cool and stuff, and like, and and he's got this younger son who's into baseball, and he's encouraging him for that. And his older son, he thinks, got cut from the football team. He's really upset about that because yeah. he played football as a yeah. kid. But the thing is, like, his oldest son is horny mm-hmm. for a girl. He's got a mullet, so you know which, he's a little alternative, right? Which is which is like these are all normal teenage boy things, yeah. and the 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 dad, the neighbor dad, is like. <laughs> Uh, is like, I gotta teach you to lift weights, you gotta bulk up so you can get back there with the guys. He's like trying to keep his son from being horny and get him into working out and touching men. And so he's the only (laughs) 80s dad who is literally trying to turn his son gay. I also find it incredibly hilarious that they're going on a fishing trip on a Saturday in the afternoon. Yeah. 
Like they should have left at like five it, in the at morning. like five a.m. Yeah. Why? What are they and, waiting and also, around for? And also, I don't think they ever state where this is set, but it seems to be pretty clearly Los Angeles. From, right. From where are they going down. to go fishing? <laughs> what the fuck? It, there's a lot. There's a lot of details, but it doesn't matter. Ultimately, no. we will get things explained to us. I'm sure, but. We gotta get to the science. You're like, I want, I want to see those fucking kids shrink. <laughs> um, so, uh, one thing is, uh, so basically, what happens is baseball is tossing the ball up in the air uh, <laughs> in the backyard. Baseball, and he hits it with a bat, and he knocks it through the attic window uh, of the neighbor's house. So he knocks it through Zelinsky's house. It slams into the shrink ray when oh. no one is around, and turns it on. Oh no! So. The setup's there, and baseball's response is to turn to his older brother and be like, we can be cool about this. Nobody saw it but you. <laughs> Apparently forgetting, there's a fucking baseball in the room. It's not going to be a mystery what broke the window. Yeah, and the baseball falls really carefully onto the machine. <laughs> yeah, right on the on button. <laughs> it hits all the, it hits everything that it needs to hit to turn it on, and yeah. then hits it on like a specific part where the laser can't get through it yeah. which is an important detail to pay comes attention back. to comes back check off's ray and so... <laughs> check off's baseball but um russ little russ so big russ is the dad little russ right. he's like no we have to do the right thing we have to tell them what happened but you know that it's just because he's horny and he wants to talk to amy right so they bang on the door, and Amy's like, what do you want? And they're like, we knocked our baseball into your room. We can't go get the baseball. And uh, and then uh, Russell just tries to uh, hook her right away with, so you like to dance, huh? Oh, <laughs> Russell, no. And she's like, what, are you watching me? It's like it's like it's like back when Facebook started, um, like right when Facebook started, like when it was only for college students, and you saw someone in class, and you're like, oh yeah, I think uh, I think I've seen your Facebook. You're into, and then you would list three unbelievably specific things from their profile. Yes, yes, because they would ask for your favorite movies and all that shit. Yes, and it was so creepy. <laughs> Fucking Mark Zuckerberg, you ruined everything. You ruined everything. It's okay, some news came out about him this week. Uh, he ruined uh, a lot more. <laughs> so, so uh, the kids go up, and by minute 23, all four children uh, have been shrunk. And then the best set pieces you've ever seen. <laughs> the, the the set is amazing. The floor, They're on a rickety old uneven floorboard with cracks in it and they're just the tiniest it's 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 amazing really really good design on the floor i loved that jumping Um, over nails that are on the ground there's dust bunnies and everything it's just the attention to detail is oh chef's kiss so we got the conflict we're gonna cut away for a second too because i just want to get this piece in here rick moranis is giving a pitch (laughs) at a conference He's like, you should buy my shrink ray. My shrink ray does a lot of stuff. It's going to shrink stuff so that you can ship it easier. Because, like, if you think, like, Nadia, if you think about, like, remember when the boat got stuck this year? <laughs> the Evergreen? The, yes. This would fix that. So. Yes. What other, what other circumstances would you need a shrink ray? You know, like, everybody wants everything bigger, <laughs> at least <Right>. in America. 
<laughs> so, so, but the way he explains the science, and I don't want to turn this into a fucking YouTube video on like, here's everything that's wrong with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> but like, he's like, yeah, people are made, stuff is made of atoms, but there's a lot of space between those atoms. And that's true. That part mm-hmm. is true. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what we do, we just take away all the space, leave all the atoms. You can shrink something. I'm like, no, if you do that, mm. it's going to weigh the same, <laughs> even if you shrink it. So if you shri- if you take Amy, who, uh, uh, well, let's I have no idea how to guess what anyone's weight is. So let's say you take Nick. <laughs> Nick is 80 pounds. Right. Uh, if you shrink Nick to the size of a dime... He would still weigh 80 pounds using the methodology that Rick Moranis describes. So it'd make him unbelievably dense, and he'd probably collapse like a dying star. So I just so want to know the long-term side effects of these of getting bigger and then smaller and then bigger and the, you know? Yeah. So so there's that, and then a guy stands up and is like, "This machine's ridiculous." You have, however, managed to shrink the size of one thing, this audience. Uh. And I think it's really tragic they didn't get Norm MacDonald to deliver that line. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, so, yeah. So, Rick Moranis is down on his luck, and he comes home. I just love, again, there, there's so much attention to detail of the set and everything, but when it comes to the story of the adults... We get barely any detail. Like, <laughs> why is he giving a presentation to, like, packing? Like, what, like, who else could he be help? Like, astronauts, maybe? <laughs> that would make, that would be a little more believable. We don't know why they got into a fight. We don't know about grandma's house. Like, fill in the details, the drama. But it's okay, because everyone's okay. small. But he brings enough drama with him, because when he goes home, he, like... He's like, oh, the kids aren't home. That's weird. And then he just goes up to the attic, and he's going to sit down on the couch. Uh, the couch is fucking gone, because guess what? It shrank, too. Yeah. Uh, and then he just turns to the machine, and he's just overcome with fury. And, like, I fucking get it, man. Yeah. I didn't think that Rick Moranis had the capability of being so angry, but he did. Yeah. Because this machine's been consuming his life, we assume, for years, and he's gotten nothing from it. Super he sad. can't even find his couch. <laughs> <laughs> like, wh- again, what's the deal with the couch being, <laughs> being gone? He's not like, that's weird. He doesn't How- follow. He's like, that merits a follow-up question, I guess. It's a big couch, and it's a very narrow staircase to go down it. Like, if anything, it would have gotten stuck on the way down. There's a lot of questions that here. Yeah. But he destroys the machine. Out of anger. And the kids see it happening. They're like, no, that's our... That's our fucking... Yeah! To being big again. (laughs) And so he, he, you know, everything falls falls apart. There's pieces of the machine all over the place. And he's like, I'm going to destroy this. Resistors hitting the ground like comets. It's incredible. Yeah, the kids are running. They're like, holy shit, we're going to die. And he's like, I just destroyed this, but I am also an organized man, so I'm going to clean it up. (laughs) (laughs) And so he grabs his broom and starts sweeping. And here comes the very first adventure. These poor children have to avoid being smushed for the first time by a broom. 
And then they end and the, up... And the broom design is awesome, too. So cool, because they eventually grab onto the bristles of the broom, which are really thick, and they hold on for dear life, and he throws them away. <laughs> and then he takes the garbage out all the way across the yard, which is like... 15 paces to a normal sized person for someone my size perhaps 30 (laughs) yeah very very modest yard puts them in an oscar the grouch style trash can (laughs) (laughs) and then they're stuck in there and that then begins the adventure exactly so now they you know they basically they find something sharp they slice their way out of the uh trash bag and they come out, and between them and the house, which is the only place they're going to get big again, <laughs> is this vast expanse of backyard, which is basically fucking jungle. I am so impressed. In awe of the concept. Incredible. Also, don't even, I never, it never occurred to me that there is this whole ecosystem slash universe on a lawn. It's incredible. There's an entire ecosystem slash universe in every cell in your body, Nadia. Oh, my God. I'm not even high, and I'm freaking out. (laughs) Yeah, guys, do not watch this movie high. (laughs) No. I'm just so in awe of this whole thing from the 80s. I can't even explain to you how cool this concept is. And the way that they also built the sets, like the giant blades of grass with the detailing that they're like a little bit fuzzy on the sides because it's like a specific type of grass. And, uh, you know, a butterfly flies over them that's like 42 feet long, their wingspan. And it's making really loud noise, like a... Jet engine noises. Like a jet engine. And it's just a freaking butterfly. It's gorgeous it's great yeah i love it and you know it begins all the terror right so now the peril begins and like nick the nerd son is doing the doing the uh math and he's like well uh, according to my calculations at our at our equivalent height uh that backyard is 3.2 miles long i'm like okay so that's like an hour and a half like yeah. you can walk that in like well, that's still not a very long way not if there's danger lurking at every corner but there is danger lurking at every corner so that is a good point um and then uh the other thing that i want to bring up here is the wife comes home uh yeah she sold a house yeah so she so this is an interesting piece. I we don't get the full story here and no, I would have liked I a want prequel. The drama. Uh, but she apparently was a struggling real estate agent. Right. Who finally got her first uh sale. Yes, she sold the house. And okay. Because I'm nosy, did you notice that they were like really into each other? <laughs> Like, I know that they're in a fight or whatever, but there was no malice. There was no, like... No, they love each other. They love each other. And they were both, like, treading lightly, but being very sweet and loving. Like, that's good acting. Yeah. So, I don't know if I would call you nosy because they're characters in a film that you're watching. Right. So <laughs> but I want to suppo- know more. You're supposed to pay attention to them. <laughs> I know, but they just aren't giving me... A, I want more drama. Give me more detail. What happened? what they say? Like... You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but Rick Moranis is also very contrite. He's like, you know, Diane, the pitch failed. I'm just going to go get my old job back. Like, mm-hmm. he's... He's filling in uh, the gaps for us. 
Right. He's, like, gonna make amends for disappointing her. Like, I get... Like, we were talking earlier about, like, the responsibility of being a dad, because it means you have to kill bugs, and (laughs) if the sewer backs up, you have to tear out all the carpet in your basement. And, uh... And, like... It's, I mean, it's a lot of pressure, man. It's pressure to do right by your kids and and by your wife. And, like, especially, like, if you can't provide for them. Like, you know, it's stupid and a dated gender role thing. But, like, it's pressure. It's real. Yeah. And you know what else I really like is that she was supportive of him and who he is, which is a brilliant inventor. Yeah. And was like, yeah, I'm sure there was some sort of conversation at some point of, like, yeah, like, you should focus on your shrink ray. Because yes. it will bring us a lot of money, et cetera. And, yeah. like, I believe in you. Like, that's really sweet. So there's obviously a very lovely foundation of love that as a, if you're a child watching this, you can't really see. You're just like, let's get back to the fucking grass. But yeah. as an adult, I'm like, I love this. This is really nice. Yeah, and and listeners, I want you to keep that foundation of love in mind because Rick Moranis is going to make some decisions later. Very questionable. <laughs> that might uh, lead you to question that. So, <laughs> so all that said, uh, we're back to the kids. They're in the uh, they're in the the grass. Uh, they're trying to figure out the fastest way back. They're like, what if we just whistle for the dog and yeah. ride the dog back? Yeah, like a horse. Right. So uh, the dog's name is Quark, and they start whistling for Quark. And I just want to call out here Russell not being able to whistle and Amy being like, you don't know how to whistle. You just you just put your lips together and blow. And then, and then she pours a gallon of water over her shirt. It's real fucked up. It is so rude. It is so rude. Also, you, there's more to it than that. Like, fuck you. But there, there's like, there's. By the way, she swerves him like twenty times in this film. And I it's know. Very funny. <laughs> uh, she, she knows she has the power, but he, you know, he feels emasculated. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. She's like, "Wow, oh, thanks for telling me how to whistle. Why don't you just cut my balls off next time?" <laughs> But so they do call the dog and he does come through, but then he gets scared away because uh, baseball's cat scares them away. <laughs> That's right. The the dog, Quark, is scared of the neighbor's cat. Um, so then we have, oh, and then Nick falls in the flower, right? Yeah. And he's allergic to pollen. That was really cute. Yeah. But he's allergic to pollen, but the pollen's too big, so it doesn't fit in his nose. So he... <laughs> He's covered in these, like, little yellow postules of what is supposed to be yeah. pollen, but, like, is obviously, like, whatever the prop master yeah, it's, made it it's, out of. Uh, yeah, it's paper mache and corn syrup, basically. <laughs> it's really cute, but an important part of the ecosystem is that pollen is something that bees carry. <laughs> so... For, is this the second time in the season now we got a swarm of bees attacking people? <laughs> and the bee, the bee carries little Nick away and big, or little Russell, he saves him, which mm. is cool. But then there is this really cool sequence where they're flying on a bee. Yes, they're flying on a bee and it's cool because you get the POV of, of the bee, right? You get yeah. bee cam, right? <laughs> uh, but then, uh, but also you get like Rick Moranis 
going out on the yard and he's like, ah, damn, there's some bees. And Rick Moranis' solution is, I'm gonna get a baseball bat and swing at these bees with it. King of my heart. Um, there's another line here, which is where they were uh, first crossing a- across the yard and Amy's like, well, we gotta make our way back to the house. And Russell's like, okay, sounds good. And baseball is like, you're gonna let a girl tell you what to do? It's like, what's your fucking idea, baseball? Like, what? Are, is it just like, let's live as little people now? <laughs> baseball has no good ideas, but he is full of quips. He's like clearly like the comic relief, but he's so annoying. He's very annoying. He comes around, like, yeah. And that's clearly his arc is like, <laughs> he starts as a little shit and he eventually realizes, oh, I can't be a little shit. We all have to kind of save each other's lives here. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> they trauma bond. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Well, everybody in this movie ends up trauma bonded at the end. Like, yeah. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> but, uh, which uh, saying that all out loud, it is actually a little fucked up. It's but, pretty dark. <laughs> but, but we get two sequels afterward. We do get some more movies and two sequels, two rides at Disney. What more could she ask for? So uh, they're so called we... <laughs> Honey Eye Trauma Bonded. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, so the bee flies around. Rick Moranis tries to kill it with a bat, and they're like, "No, Dad, you're gonna kill us!" So funny, and then eventually the bee loses altitude because I guess it gets tired. I don't know why it stopped, but it stopped them maybe like 20 feet away from the other two kids. Right. Which is a long way. It's a long way. Yeah. Uh, So, okay. So we get to, uh, I think, my favorite part of the movie, uh, which is minute 41, which is where Rick Moranis figures it out. (laughs) Oh, what a sweet, gentle, loving man. He's so smart and great. He's like, okay, the window is broken. There's a baseball. There's a baseball on the floor. I just stepped on my couch. My tiny couch. And then you see this look on his face like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. He says so much with such little dialogue. So what an incredible actor incredible acting on his incredible comedic acting on his part i'm not saying that sarcastically it really is amazing he's so good also he doesn't play it for comedy he plays it sincerely right which is what makes it so good like if jim carrey was in this it would have been like oh no like that kind of vibe honey i shrunk the kids (laughs) there's a baseball on the ground my couch is really tiny like no he plays it so sincerely. He's like, oh, no. And then he, I don't know how he comes up with these kinds of tra- contraptions, but he walks out on stilts, which. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to need some stilts for this. Because he doesn't want to step on them. And then he has a helmet where he's attached binoculars so that he can find them. <laughs> and the most important decision he makes, though, and, and one that I think really is the guiding ethos of this film, one which. I think is the same decision I would have made if uh, if I were in his shoes, as he says to himself, whatever happens, my wife cannot know that this <laughs> happened. 
Yeah, he kept that to himself. His wife went to the mall because that's where Horny Amy wanted to go in the first place. But why would she take her tiny brother? I don't know. But she's like, maybe they're at the mall. So I'm going to go look for them. But meanwhile, Big Russ and Buffy's mom are also kind of freaking out because they need to go on their trip. And oh, the yeah. kids are gone. <laughs> they got a fishing trip, which they've put down a deposit of 80 whole dollars for. Hey, it's 89. Like, that's a lot that's back true. then. That's yeah. true. But uh, their friends show up and with, like, this huge Winnebago. And they're like, hey, like, are you ready to go? And instead of telling the truth, <laughs> Russell, sa- Big Russ, says that Buffy's mom has some plumbing issues. And she's not feeling well. And so she can't go. <laughs> just, just incredible save. Just... <laughs> Home run. Yeah, just absolutely home run. And, like, the only way he could have made it better is if the neighbor was like, holy shit, you mean, like, she's on her period or something? And Big Russ would have been like, no, no, I fucked her real hard and she has a UTI now. No! <laughs> just... Oh, no. Uh, she she would have gotten a UTI because she didn't pee after. Right, pee after sex, oh, guys. On. If there is one thing to take away from this podcast, man, that applies to you too, by the way. Yes, it does, Both Tim. <laughs> Both of you. P after sex. Um, uh, so uh, it, while this is going on, um, uh, Zelensky, Wayne Zelensky, while on his stilts, accidentally turns on the sprinkler system uh, <gasps> on the lawn, which is yes. a fucking disaster. It's an accident. But- it's an accident because the hose is being dragged by the stilts and it turned the knob itself. And then he has to find his way back to the knob, but he doesn't because he... Like, is climbing on the clothesline because he doesn't want to land on the children. There's so much going on. A lot of, lot of very physical comedy from Rick Moranis. I mean, he tells it all. This guy can fucking sing, too, by the way. He Ugh. doesn't do it in this movie, but he, he does it in Little Shop of Horrors. He sings like an angel. It. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, so the kids are being, you know, attacked by these huge dollops of water coming from the sprinkler. And, like, a sprinkler, you know, it's like a... But when yeah. you're a quarter of an inch tall, you're getting pummeled. I mean, it's just, it's like everything as a kid is terrifying and everything as an adult is so insignificant. It's like the whole framing of this movie, man. It's just it's so it's much. so beautiful. But it's so uh, much. But then, you know, we get Amy in a wet t-shirt, not loving that. And everyone's running. Everyone's all wet. They're falling into mud. They're trying to get away from the the stream of water at this point it's like created a river which is like super yeah no scary. she's drowning she's fucking drowning but oh no they the kids finally find each other but then amy falls into a huge pit of mud and yeah. looks like she's fucking drowning See, like she doesn't come back up right so uh big russ is like i'm gonna fucking dive in uh and and save her and yeah, he does. he's, a hero. he's then, a hero. And then he fucking gives her mouth to mouth. And he's like, on the one hand, like, he's probably thinking, like, I got to save her life. Like, we are in this situa- insane situation. But on the other hand, he's probably thinking, hell yes. Yeah. Uh, he didn't probably do thinking, the chest compressions, yes. which I really appreciated. But this yeah. wasn't a Sandlot type of moment. Like, she was no. legitimately dying. She, she was legitimately dying. <laughs> And eventually he, he 
he keeps blowing into her mouth and nothing is happening. And then Nick starts to cry and I'm freaking out. I haven't seen this movie since I was like 13. Like, You're like, wow, did they kill, did they kill Amy halfway through? <laughs> die? She didn't die. She's fine. She coughs up a, a whole bunch of mud and uh, she hugs Nick, but she doesn't hug little Russ. Not yet. <laughs> Not with her mouth. Not yet. <laughs> Um, he's like, and you can see the, you can see Russ is like, okay, wait, I mean, can you hug me though? Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. What the fuck? I'm hard. So, as long as you got that wet t-shirt on, you want to hug me? Anyway, so, uh, is it, look, is this movie as gross as the scene in Hocus Pocus where Max is jerking off in his bed? No. No. I don't think it is. No. But I still think they made some interesting decisions. Anyways. Yeah, it's the 80s. I mean... The, the Weird thing science, is, that that whole right, thing, you know. The kids understand now that, like, they could legit die out here. Yeah. So they're not, uh, like, sniping at each other anymore. No, they're, they've called a truce. Right. And so that's good. So they're getting along, and then uh, there's a little reason for celebration when they find, and I'm not sure what this was doing in the lawn, a loose, uh, unwrapped oatmeal cream pie that was just... <laughs> They just left on the lawn somewhere? So at, at the beginning of the movie, Nick didn't want to eat the food that Amy had cooked because it was burnt. And so he had a cream pie box and was eating mm-hmm. those and then put it on the table so you could see the kind it was. Right. And, I was and I was like, is this product placement or is this a, I need to, is this Chekhov's cream pie? It's Chekhov's cream pie, which is, <laughs> oh boy, that doesn't sound I don't right. like that. I don't like that one. So I guess maybe at one point he dropped one and they found it and they're like, I guess we're going to eat this. Because, you know, in my head, I was like, do they go to the bathroom that small? Yeah. I mean, you could just do it on a blade of grass. It's fine. It's tiny. Tiny poops. It's it's tiny. Um, It's, you know, I I tell my daughter, don't eat floor food. Yeah. And uh, because. Floor food. (laughs) Sometimes she drops like a Cheerio on the floor, and then later in the day, you know, before we've had a chance to clean up, she'll be like, oh, there's a Cheerio. I'm like, no, don't eat floor food. <laughs> you were supposed and to gotta, eat it within the first 10 seconds. You dropped it. Now. Then I got to take it from her, but yeah. if I'm not near a garbage can, then I got to eat it, which isn't a good example for her. Ew. So anyway, they're eating this cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain's fucking terrible. <laughs> We've been on the internet way too long. Yeah. Uh, but then something that I didn't expect. A fucking ant. Yeah, surprise, motherfucker, it's an ant. <laughs> it was, it, uh, it's a 1980s special effect type ant. But it was kind of gross. Yeah, very, um, very Ray Harryhausen, uh, like, type, um like dinomation yes. type uh animation on the ant like it's the same animation they used for the monster at the end of coneheads yeah. except coneheads came out four years later after jurassic park and they had no fucking excuse for right. doing that <laughs> here i would say it's consistent with the standards of the time yes and it's great i mean i was grossed out by it. i don't like bugs personally and it really like drove home the texture of a bug and i they start to fight the ant they're like get the this is our cream pie cookie how dare you and then they're like it's just a baby and they say this so many times and this will come back later 
But they're like, blah, blah, blah. It's just a baby. We can fight it. It's just a baby. Let me say it one more time. It's just a baby. And so they fight the ant. And eventually they're like, wait a minute. What if we rode the ant? Which I don't think they thought it all the way through. No. No. But so they ha- there's like a couple of tries where baseball gets on the ant and ultimately gets thrown off and then Nick gets on the ant and then Amy's like you're allergic to ants it's like what what else is he allergic to (laughs) he's allergic to everything how is ants an allergy like there's no they didn't test for that shit no and so eventually they make a lure like a fishing lure Mm -hmm. calling back to their trip that they never go on and they put a piece of the cookie on the lure, and the ant starts walking, so they just ride the ant. They just ride the ant. They're riding them back to the house. One of my favorite lines in the film is the four of them riding on the ant, and Amy says, oh my gosh, we're going to be home soon. At this rate, I can still go out. And then she glares at Russell and says, with Pat, who's the boy (laughs) that she likes. (laughs) What a little bitch. (laughs) Just brutal. Just savage. Swerve. But uh, (laughs) here's something I didn't expect baseball <laughs> is feeling some compassion for the ant and it's like i think the ant is really tired we've been going for a really long time and he gives the cookie piece to the ant and they he calls him auntie yeah i didn't see that coming yeah see ever this is trauma bonding again though like yeah 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 it's you That's know true. so so they are you know they're they're they find a um uh, is this where they find the Lego? They find yeah. the Lego to sleep in. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to do that. It's um, nighttime. They didn't make it home in time. They didn't make it home in time. In the meantime, because it's nighttime, the parents are starting to wonder where the hell everyone is. Uh, <laughs> the mom the mom gets home. Uh, she's trying to find her husband who is out in the yard. She hasn't found her kids. She dials 911 on a rotary phone, which is just real weird to watch now. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the police are at the neighbor's place already. Oh, yeah. And... You know, I would say, you know, probably 15 months ago, we had this thing where we had a whole bunch of protests uh, across the country, uh, which kind of crystallized into a movement to uh, to defund uh, police forces, which, you know, certainly are a, uh, a big drain on city budgets, right? It's like half the city budget here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the argument against that from a lot of people is like, well, if you don't if you don't find the police force, who's going to solve crimes? Who are you going to call when your kids go missing? And I would like to draw those people's attention to this scene <laughs> in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. When the cops come to the neighbor's place and they tell them our kids are missing and the cops are like, damn, that sounds fucked up. Yeah, they're like, uh, all right, well, if you, if, you fi- if you hear from them, call us. They literally said that. It's like, that's your job. But it's like, no, I'm asking you to do that. I thought, I'm confused. And Buffy's mom is clearly really distraught. And uh, Big Russ is actually pissed. He doesn't think, he doesn't really think they're runaways, but he does think that he's going to ground them whenever they do come home. Which is, like, yeah. not a great attitude to have when you're, the police is there. You know what I mean? Yes. Not great. Uh, so, at the uh, by the end of the film, uh, Big Russ will become an abolitionist. And then... <laughs> Uh, we uh, get to uh, the same sort of conversation in the house next door where Wayne Zielinski and his wife 
uh, Wayne, you know, Wayne is like, well, uh, enough time has passed that I feel like I kind of have to tell my wife now. Because yeah. <laughs> the kids aren't going to be sleeping in their beds tonight. So, <laughs> so, uh, I shrunk the kids. Well, and, and he, he opens by showing, he tries to ease her in, right? Right. He shows, shows her the couch. He's like, I shrunk the couch. And she's like, oh my god, Wayne, it works. The machine works. Do the kids know? (laughs) Oh, sweet, innocent mom. And he's like, ah, it's such good delivery from Moranis. Like, really tremendous. Where he's just like, oh, yeah, the kids know. Uh, uh, Honey, I I shrunk the kids. They're about this big. They're in the backyard somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they both start searching. And my favorite thing is he builds this contraption. The, the Mission Impossible uh, yeah, he, rig. Yeah, because he doesn't want to smush them. So he's basically hanging over on, like, a blanket and using – they're both using each other's weight to balance it out while they circle around with microscopes and uh, – what are those called? Magnifying glasses. Yeah, yeah, Trying to find the kids. But it's so dark out that eventually they have to give up. <laughs> it's so sad. They love their kids so much. They're like, look, we can look for them in the morning. They're probably sleeping in a Lego or something. <laughs> um, so they do. Uh, is this? Let me see. Oh, okay. So they're they're getting ready to sleep in the the Lego. Right. Um, Amy's hair is down now. Uh, Russell is uh, is clearly noticing that Amy is getting hotter as the movie goes on. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, the two younger brothers sleep in the lower uh, notch of the Lego, and Amy and Russell uh, sleep in the upper notch of the Lego. And Russell kind of has this this moment of uh, sincerity with uh, with Amy. Yeah, he's like, "I always thought you were too popular to notice me." Uh, well, she asks never... him why he never came over. Why he never shot a shot? Yeah. Well, it's probably because you swerve him every five minutes. But <laughs> let's be real. But he's like, "Well, you know, you're really popular," and she's like, "I am." I was too popular to notice. I was like, this is mean. <laughs> but then they're horny together. And then uh, they do. And then they do. Yes. A gross open mouth <laughs> kiss. Gross open mouth kiss. And remember, it's the same message we had last week. Being horny will kill you. <laughs> and it's because they're so horny that they don't notice the scorpion <laughs> walking up to them. Oh, my God. Again, another, uh, like, animatronic-looking yes. guy. Yes. But it's a scary scene. It is uh, If you're a kid, this scene was fucking terrifying. It's, yeah. And, and they have to, they run away, but baseball is still in the Lego. He couldn't get out in time. <laughs> but you know who's, t- who's coming to the rescue? Oh, my God. Surprise, motherfucker. It's the same aunt. It's auntie, but he... He bonded with them. He imprinted on them, I guess. Remember, he's just a baby. And he goes and fights the scorpion for them. And they're like, we, we we, have to help the ant. But they're too late. They're too late. Yeah. So, okay. So what's sadder? <gasps> oh, the, my God. The, the ant dying in this movie, which happens... <laughs> Uh, or uh, Littlefoot's mom dying uh, at the oh beginning my of God. Don Bluth's The Land Before Tony, Time. Tony, I did. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I forgot that the ant fucking dies. I <laughs> sobbed so hard. I didn't know that I was when I first of all they show him getting stung by the scorpion mm-hmm. in his little which, 
in his little <laughs> which head. Which is a lot. Which it's is a lot. lot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And then he, the scorpion goes away. They, like, fight him off, whatever. Who cares about the scorpion? Because Auntie slowly gets onto the ground and dies. And then Baseball starts crying. I've lost it by this point. I'm gasping for air. They kept telling us he was just a baby. <laughs> it's a very intense scene. I, was, I can't even imagine being seven and seeing that happen. Yeah. I'm it's a 33. Very... I could barely <laughs> handle it. Very intense scene. Um, uh, so the ant sacrificed himself. I think everyone learned something, you know, which is good. Uh, and then uh, we get, we okay. get, we get uh, so a couple other things I want to call out that we skipped over kind of fast. We do have the neighbors and the Zelinskis talking to each other at one point, and the neighbor calls Wayne Zelinsky says, this guy's a waste of skin, which oh. is the creepiest way possible <laughs> to describe your neighbor. <laughs> A hundred percent. He's such a dick. That's like what Buffalo Bill says to the woman in his pit in Silence of the Lambs. Like, <laughs> that's so scary. He is, he is such an asshole. But Buffy's mom eventually takes him aside, and is like, "There are some things about yourself that you need to know." <laughs> Which I loved. I loved that line. And One, you're a huge asshole. Yeah. So she does take him aside. We don't get to hear the conversation, but we find out that she tells him basically that he is the worst and that the kids like are kind of scared of him and mm. they like they're doing their best like but he just is not being a very supportive person but the Rick Moranis and his wife they are like you know it would be cool to be friends with them i guess like very sweet have a very cute kind of point of view on this whole thing where it's like once this is over I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, maybe we can hang out. I loved that. I just, I, I, I had DoorDash last night, and I, the DoorDash guy was texting me a lot. Oh. Which is fine, because I was, like, telling him, like, hey, you know, when you come in, ring this buzzer, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And he's, like, texting me updates, like, hey, man, I just left the restaurant. I'll be there in seven minutes, stuff like that. And then at the end... He texts me again. He's like, hey, man, yeah, thanks so much for the tip. You know, it really helps and stuff like that. And, and like, I got a lot of texts from this guy. And, <laughs> and he's a perfectly nice person. He delivered my order correctly and on time, which is also very nice. Um, but I'm, I'm really worried he's going to, like, text me, like, you know, and do the Nathan Fielder. Like, you know, if you ever want to, like, hang out sometime. <laughs> Tony, you don't hang out with the sandwich people. You don't <laughs> hang out with the DoorDash people. Like... Who do you hang out with? I am worried that, uh, I am worried I'm coming off as really elitist <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> I did, okay, I didn't hang out with the sandwich people when I was 19, like, before I developed class consciousness. Oh. Like. Okay. Uh, the DoorDash person, uh, okay, that one's on me, I'll give you that. His name's Jeff, shout out Jeff. Uh, Shout out Jeff. He knows about the podcast. That's why he wanted to text. He wants to be on. <laughs> Shout out Jeff. Uh, last DoorDash guy didn't get my drink. You got my drink. That was really cool. So thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable, Tony. I'm like, how do you make friends? Do you like? I have a question, just in general. How do you make friends yeah. as an adult? 
Uh, I would say get really into either socialism, Magic the Gathering, or both. Okay. I don't think that's the kind of friendships I want. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, how do I make friends with people who aren't uh, 32-year-old white dudes? Yeah. (laughs) I need some variety, please. Uh, But yeah, anyway, uh, let's get back to the movie. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, they they get uh, hold of the... Oh, um... The lawnmower kid. We got to talk about lawnmower kid. Oh, my God. Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, Nick kind of tricks this poor child into mowing their lawn because he doesn't want to. But the incentive is the lawnmower is tricked the fuck out by Wayne that has – and it has, like, a remote control and it has a flag and it makes noise and, like, a satellite dish. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, very pimp my ride uh, (laughs) tiny lawnmower. Yeah, so this kid is like, fuck yeah, I'll mow your lawn. And he didn't show up the day before. He showed up the day after when the Uh, kids were shrunk. Yeah, so now there's a fucking lawnmower. And, like, there's, like, this terrifying organ music cue (laughs) as the lawnmower kid comes back. It's so perfect. It's It's so so funny if you're an adult. And if you're a kid, you're like, oh, no, it's the lawnmower kid. (laughs) Um, The main uh, musical leitmotif in this uh, movie, by the way, is the, like, Looney Tunes. It's just, you know, it's really silly and goofy, and it adds a lot to that scene. It's really great, but the peril, these kids, like, they had just, first of all, they had just lost Auntie. They yeah. were they so they're they're, they're fucked just up suffering. They're just they're em- PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. They're emotionally in turmoil, and then this they hear something first, and then this gust of wind again. You don't think about that when you're in the tiny when you're in a, you're when you're tiny. You don't think about when the lawnmower is going off that there would be like gusts of wind that are created by the propellers inside of the lawnmower, like the blades. Mm. And these kids are, like, being swept up. Nikki almost flies away, and Amy has to save him. And then they end up going inside of a wormhole (laughs) to find safety, which, again, brilliant. Brilliant. Utterly brilliant. So they're in the Uh, wormhole, and they're like, we should be safe here. But no. (laughs) The lawnmower stops right above the wormhole. And yeah, the and air so, is blowing, and Nick is flying. Everybody's flying, and eventually, it's like a cartoon. Everyone's holding onto each other's feet, and yeah, are about and, to get and, sucked in. Yeah, the parents like fucking figure it out. Uh, Rick Moranis figures it out, runs out, he's like, "No, don't cut the lawn, <laughs> God damn it!" <laughs> but the so, kid can't uh, hear them because he's got his headphones on. Right, so it takes a little longer. It's very, it, it's a real nail biter. It really is. <laughs> I was really stressed out. I was like you know, emotionally drained from the ant dying. And right after this is another heartbreaking scene, which is where they're yelling at their dad once the lawnmower stops to get his attention. He can't hear them. Oh, it's so sad. Which is a callback to the beginning of the movie when the... Uh, when Nick was trying to give him a suggestion about his shrink ray, and he's like, well, I gotta finish this. Why don't you go help your sister? So many fucking layers. So many layers. So many. So many layers to this film. It's about it's about fatherhood. <laughs> what it's about. Don't make me cry. First and foremost, it's about being a father, and it's about your greatest fear, which is accidentally eating your child. <laughs> uh, which is where we're heading next, of course, because they whistle for the dog again. They ride the dog inside. They get up onto the breakfast table, which at this point, Rick Moranis should have seen them. <laughs> I mean, how small are they? 
Because if an <laughs> like because if an if they're if they're smaller than an ant, smaller it, than an ant, smaller than so an ant. I mean, how could he see them if they were basically little dust mites? You know, I guess they fit in the hole of a Lego, right? <laughs> yeah, and in the hole of a Cheerio. In the hole of a Cheerio. So that's how small we're dealing with. Wow. I still feel like well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, what? I still feel like I'd see that. I'm like, no, maybe I fucking wouldn't. Maybe I would eat my kid. Listen, God damn it. Just, maybe I would eat my kid. <laughs> to see something that small, you have to be in a mindful place. You gotta you gotta be looking for you it. You gotta be looking for it. But yeah. I will say if my children were missing, that would be the main thing on my mind. I wouldn't be thinking, I'm hungry, let me eat some cereal calmly yeah, at like, the table. Well, I don't wanna look for him on an empty stomach. I actually get that one. <laughs> Again, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna give that one to the writers. Such a dad move. So the I don't know how Nick ends up in <laughs> Just like I'm just imagining like the mom turning the lights on in the house to look for the kids and <laughs> Rick Moranas being like, Why are we turning these lights on? Let's turn them off. <laughs> Save some money. This is so expensive. Just, mom opens the door to go in the uh go in the backyard. He's like, What are we air conditioning the whole neighborhood? Come on, let's close that door. <laughs> Well, somehow Nick ends up inside of the cereal bowl that Rick Moranis is eating from. The other three kids are on the table screaming, being like, screaming don't, don't eat Nick. Don't eat Don't Nick. eat your son. And don't eat your son. Nick, Nick has to dive every time the spoon comes down because he doesn't want to get taken up by the spoon. But by the third, but sure, but sure enough, by the third spoonful, he is in one of the Cheerios that Rick Moranis is about to eat. And look, guys, that whole spoon's going in his mouth. Like, once you're in the spoon, <laughs> once you're in the spoon, you're pretty much fucked. So we're at Camera Spoon. And, the camera Spoon. And we see Nick being like, Dad, don't eat me. Don't eat me. And he finally gets... Well, because the, the dog nips his heel. Yeah, he's like, no, and, no, no. And he finally sees his son in the Cheerios. He's basically drowning in the Cheerios, and he's just talking to him while he's drowning. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, let me keep you in this spoon. I don't want to spill a whole spoonful of Cheerios on the table <laughs> in order to save your life. Yes, but eventually they're found, so that's yes. that's good. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, so it, traditionally, the reason Nadia said camera spoon, uh, listeners, is because traditionally on like an old uh, three camera sitcom setup, you would have actually four cameras. You had camera A, camera B, camera C, and then camera spoon, uh, which was used for uh, any close-ups of spoon-related activity. <laughs> Uh, it was really invented with Mork and Mindy because Robin Williams used spoons so much on set. They're like, we need a camera dedicated solely to spoons. It's one of the most niche jokes I've ever made. So I hope you all fucking enjoyed it. Oh my god, that was so good. Uh, so, so they found the kids, which is good. Yes. Uh, they still don't know what to do with the kids. Yeah, so Rick Moranis had stayed up, Wayne, he had stayed up all night to fix the machine that he had broken. But with these, he had to test it, you know, before he makes the kids big again. And the kids are hanging out in a dry spoon this time. And uh, the other, the neighbors are there. Everybody, everybody, all the whole cast is there. And the apples that he is trying to shrink just to test it keep exploding. <laughs> 
And the kid, <laughs> and Big Russ is like, don't explode my kid. And the <laughs> tiny children are screaming, use the baseball. Because remember, Chekhov's baseball. Right. It's the way the baseball landed on the panel kept the laser from overheating yes. and blowing things up. Right. And so they do a tiny little game of charades to figure little mime, out. Little mime activity. Mm-hmm. You know what? We make fun of improv kids, but who's laughing now? <laughs> improv can literally save your life. Prop, what is it called? Space work. Space work. <laughs> this is excellent space work. <laughs> and so Rick Moranis is like, oh, why didn't I think of that? And so he puts the baseball there. They test it out once. On uh, Neighbor Dad. Uh, neighbor Dad. This is, yes. a big, this is a big moment for him. He's not being his selfish self. He's doing yeah. something for his kids. There's and actually, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, and a very funny gag because they shrink him and then they, you know, bring him back and his hat is slightly too big. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back to his full size, which is funny. It is pretty uh, good. Uh, so um, the four of the kids get together and they're like, we're either going to die in this moment or we're going to bring, uh, or we're going to be back to our normal lives. And Amy turns to Russell insane moment to do this in my opinion and says if this works will you go to the dance with me on friday no russell asks her oh is that her okay yeah he was brave because he used member he wasn't brave enough to go see her because she was too popular because she was because she was stuck up yeah um, and And so he was brave and he's like i saved your life bitch and so he said let's go to the dance and she said uh yes (laughs) and then they hold hands Still an insane moment to do it. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. So, um, they, and they come back to normal size. Yay. And you know what? We don't waste a lot of time with the fucking uh, denouement here of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No. Like, smash cut to the neighbors are friends, they have Thanksgiving together, and they're eating a comically large turkey. <laughs> yes, and uh, Amy and Russ are little russ are playing footsie under the table she is jerking him off with her foot. <laughs> stop this is a kids movie and then we end it on nick finally getting the joke when an earlier gag an yeah. earlier gag about um what's it called french kissing. french class yes Okay, so, uh, you know, overall, delightful film. So like, fun! There, we, we don't watch a lot of movies that are this fun. No, just wonderful, anchored by a great performance, of course. Um, and uh, I just uh, I just really enjoyed it. I'm so glad we watched it. Um, I will say uh, we are kind of on a streak of films that are uh, hornier than I would have expected for <laughs> Disney movies. Yes. Um, uh, it's perfect but, for us, though. But yeah, no, I can't imagine a better, uh, better recurring theme for the podcast. Um, so I want to, I want to highlight, um, I want to do something a little different in this episode, uh, Nadia. I want to highlight something uh, that I texted you about earlier this week, which is the Disney Legends Awards. Um, so uh, every two years, Disney inducts a bunch of people into basically. This is the Disney Hall of Fame, um, and it's called Disney Legends. So uh, there's a uh, there's a selection committee um, that uh, Roy E. Disney uh, used to um, chair, and the and so basically, if you get named a Disney Legend, uh, and some people are named posthumously, but if you get 
the Disney Legend status. You get your handprints in a bronze commemorative plaque um, at Burbank, at the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank. Ooh. And uh, you get a Disney Golden Pass, which is the lifetime pass to all nine Disney uh, theme parks. Whoa! Um, and so these are these are people who are... Um, People who are, like, important to the history of Disney. So, like, the first inductees, um, like, some of the first inductees were the nine old men who were the original nine animators that worked with Walt Disney and basically invented all of, like, squash and stretch and, like, all of all of the techniques of animation that are still being used today. Like, nice. incredible technology. And then there's, there's actors, like, Julie Andrews was inducted in 1991, right? And, like, composers, so, like... Um, Mencken and Ashman, who wrote all the music for, like, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast are in there. Yeah, um, well-deserved. Richard, yes, Richard and Robert Sherman, who wrote the music for, like, Mary Poppins and, like, a lot of the, the earlier Disney stuff are in there. So there's that. Um, and you have these great animators and actors and voice actors. And uh, I wonder if the guy and, who voices Kronk from... Oh, first, Patrick Warburton? Yeah, I wonder if he's <laughs> he, a legend. He, deser- he deserves it. He deserves um, it. But then uh, you start to branch out a little bit, and you get things like uh, Imagineers, like people who worked on the theme parks and stuff like that. And then you branch out, in my opinion, a little too much, uh, (laughs) and get into people who were just executives at the Disney company. Oh, gross. (laughs) Um, so, uh, so you start to get people like, oh yeah, he was the VP of, uh, sales at Disney or something. Oh, uh, that's you gross. Know. See, like, Imagineers make sense to me because there is yeah. a whole lot that There's goes There's a creative into... element. Yeah. And, yeah. But not an but, executive. Yeah, Ron Dominguez, who was inducted in 2000, was vice president of the Disneyland Park from 1974 until 1990 and vice president of Walt Disney Attractions overall from 1990 until his retirement in 1994. Um, So, uh, you know, stuff like that. I'm trying to find another, like, really disappointing one, and then we're going to get to the more recent years where we have just a whole bunch of disappointments. It's just Tim Allen and Tom Hanks or something? No, Tim Tim Allen was inducted in fucking... 2000 i think or something oh. 1999 1999 because you know what toy story was 96 and santa claus was 94 oh. and both of those made a bazillion dollars wait is tom hanks in there i don't think he, he is he better fucking be i'm looking i'm looking right now tom hanks is not in the disney that Legends. is if tim allen tim is allen a legend but not tom hanks something is wrong so, uh, getting to the more recent years, for so for the 2010s. So, in 2011, you had a couple, like, heavy hitters. Number one, Jim Henson. Yeah. Absolutely. No, like, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Hands down. Um, Haunted Mansion, now so he, good. Obviously, he's posthumously inducted. Like, he didn't get a, a Disney pass. He Regis Philbin. He couldn't enjoy the, all the Disney passes. That's so sad. Regis Philbin was also added to the Hall of Fame this year. May he rest in uh, peace. In, tw- in 2011. Um, and then all of the voices of, well, uh, let me rephrase that. Most of the voices of the Disney princesses were added in 2011. Oh. So, uh, Jody Benson, who is the voice of Ariel. Paige O'Hara was the voice of Belle. Uh, Leia Salonga is the singing voice for Jasmine and Mulan. Leia I think. Solange, I think is how you say it. So is that how you say I it? Think okay. so. Uh, Linda Larkin was the speaking voice of Jasmine. Uh, Anika Noni Rose uh, was the voice of Tiana. Like, Ugh, they all got she's so good. inducted. Um, 2013, you get 
uh, for some reason, both Billy Crystal and John Goodman, like... Oh, because of Mike <laughs> and Scully and, um... Because of, of Mike and Sully, right? S- um, Sully. Uh, Dick, yeah, you're thinking of the X-Files. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Dick Clark also inducted this year. Oh, I'm like, okay, may he yeah, rest fine. in peace, I guess. Uh, and Steve Jobs, which... Ew. okay. But the, the reason why is because he, like, started the company that would become Pixar. Pixar. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Um, 2015, uh, George Lucas, right, because of the Star Wars franchise, so whatever. I feel nothing. Um, uh, Danny Elfman, the composer. <gasps> yes, King. Oingo uh, Boingo. Yeah. And then, let's just undo that goodwill, and Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Ooh. Depp, lifetime pass to all Disney parks for Johnny Depp. Well, I mean, Pirates was a huge thing. That's true. He did make a lot of money for them. <laughs> Johnny Depp's not for everyone, but he seems to make a lot of people money. <laughs> um, class of 2017, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. For Star Wars. Not um, Harrison Ford? Uh, no, for some reason. Well, it's probably because he doesn't give a fuck. Right, yeah. He, they probably offered it to him, and he was just like, fuck you. Yeah, he's like, why would um, I go to Disneyland? Uh, Julie Taymor, of course, nice. the uh, uh, director and choreographer. Um, Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey are in here. I guess Whoopi's oh. done a lot of voice work for um, for Disney. Mm-hmm. Oprah was, I guess, in Wrinkle in Time, which yes. was a Disney Whoopi movie. Whoopi was and famously one of my favorite uh, hyenas in The Lion King. Yes. <laughs> one of, would you say she was one of your top three hyenas? Yes, yeah, she was definitely um, one of the top three. The late Gary Marshall was oh, inducted in 17. Yes, I love him. Uh, and then, unfortunately, presaging where Disney was heading, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby uh, were inducted oh. in 2017. Well, I mean, which brings us. Stanley's cool. May he rest in peace. Stanley was cool, yes. Uh, which brings us to 2019 when Robert Downey Jr. gets inducted, uh, John Favreau gets inducted. Um, but also some, also some good ones. So like, no, John Favreau, well, also, listen, John Favreau directed Elf, so I will respect him until that's, you the know day what? I die. You're right. And that is his best movie by like a fucking mile. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Robert Downey Jr. I loved only you. That was good. Okay. But it's not a Disney um, movie. I said they had inducted all of the Disney princesses before, but they actually like for some reason left out Mulan. So they <gasps> did. So they did induct Ming-Na Wen. Uh, in the class of 2019, along with Christina Aguilera. Um, ah, my for, queen! Uh, then, for some reason, uh, Kenny Ortega, the guy who oh. directed Hocus Pocus. He's <laughs> um, done a lot of but stuff. He, he directed a ton of stuff for Disney, yeah. including High School Musical, yeah. um, which was a really big one, We're and Newsies, together. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the point is, I have decided my new life goal is I will become a Disney legend before I'm, I'm dead. I thought you were going to be a doctor of the Catholic Church. Oh yeah, doctor of the Church, yeah. Uh, check out Goths, folks. Uh, I make that for life. So you want to do so many things. A Disney legend, huh? Yeah, but I want to steal, um, Johnny Depp's. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cool, 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 cool. So it's like a heist. I'm into that. I like that. Can we make it a movie and then have fast cars and then just basically do Fast and the Furious 5? Okay. Yes, that sounds great. Cool. Um, do our friends at commonsensemedia.org have anything to say about this movie? Yeah, now? listen. Everybody is sad about the ant. <laughs> it was in every single review. This was a traumatizing moment for children. I'm glad I saw this as an adult. 
or someone older. I don't remember this when I watched it as a teenager, but holy shit. Um, I found some reviews that were really great. One was a parent review. Uh, they gave it four stars. Uh, they said the reviewer failed to mention because there is a there is a general reviewer on common sense media that just kind of basically goes through like they do smoke they say bad words etc etc so when you say a a general reviewer you don't mean somebody giving like a broad review you mean like it's a military rank (laughs) shut up it's a broad review so this is the reviewer failed to mention the french kissing scene between the two oldest neighbors honestly i agree because it is a lot of open mouth kissing. Uh, not something I wanted my daughter to see. Tongue on tongue action? No. Also, spoiler alert, 24 years later, the aunt dies. <laughs> he, he was a friend, a pet. My daughter was crushed by this. I think she actually needed to see it for her emotional development or whatever. But I would have liked to have had a warning. Not fun when mom says, it'll be okay. Everything turns out okay. Oh, sorry, I forgot. The aunt dies. <laughs> What a great review. Uh, the I found two kids' reviews. One is from a 10-year-old. They gave it one star. All caps. This wow. is the most sad movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Never watched this movie ever. There is a scene where a cute baby ant that protects the kids gets killed by a scorpion. Wow. Again, they they kept telling us that it was just a baby. I'm not over it. Okay. The last review is very short. It's a nine-year-old, and they gave it five stars, and it's just, dude. I loved it. That's it. You ever watch a Rick Moranis movie on weed? (laughs) Dude. Listen, this kid is nine. I think he just really liked it. Yeah. That's uh, that's very sweet. Um, I'm glad kids got attached to the ant. Because um, yeah. it speaks to how emotionally resonant this film is for all ages. It really, uh, listen, There we get a lot. We get drama. We get violence. We get action. We get, like, a weird, we get lots of weird dad stuff. You know, I used to get really upset watching films about dads. Because for the most part, it was obviously the writer a male writer of some kind was working out his own feelings for his father. Like the dad is a piece of shit in a lot of these movies. Yes. And it's very obvious. It's like, I'm processing my dad who's shitty. You know, there's like a lot of that kind of stuff out there, but this is finally a great dad and like kind of a shitty dad that comes around. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always loving, right? He's not a deadbeat. He's just, he's just not on top of his shit. Yeah. And even the shitty dad who is like kind of bad is like, no, I don't, he even said to Russ, I don't care about the team. I care about you. Right. (gasps) My heart. I mean, like you think about man of the house, shitty dad who walked out on his wife and kid, right? Right. Jungle to jungle, shitty dad who didn't even know he had a kid. Mm. Terrible. Uh, and is Tim Allen. Right. So, you know, two two hits. Princess Diaries, right? Yeah. Uh, sh- sh- shitty dad who uh, didn't tell his daughter. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was a princess. And she he was left. the blood heir to the Genovian throne. And he left. Uh, and, and then he left. And they left. Hocus Pocus, dad stays, but is an idiot. Yeah, he so doesn't it's... listen to his children when they tell right. him the truth about lighting the virgin candle. <laughs> yeah, 
so uh, it was great to see a good dad in this movie. Um, and you know, and, and still doing dad things like realizing he drunk the kids and deciding maybe if I maybe I can work this out before my wife figures out what's going on. What a king! Listen, I love a good dad story. This was one of the best dad stories because. Like, he started the problem with his own genius, but he also fixed it with his own genius. Yes. Um, so, uh, love the movie. Yes. Uh, check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's one of the better live-action selections they have on there. Um, yeah. And other than that, folks, we will be back next week with our next live-action film. It will not be as good as this one. And in the meantime, <laughs> uh, if you want to support the show, uh, it's ko-fi.com slash shoulda. We are probably shoulda on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week. Bye. Rest in peace, Ant. <laughs> it's poetry in motion Mm-hmm.